0: Hey everyone, Jonathan McInnes here with the Purpose and Performance Podcast, where we're going to talk about topics that will motivate and inspire and help you tap into your purpose and improve your performance in life and in business. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, Jonathan McKinnis here with the Purpose and Performance Podcast, and I'm on My latest recording with uh, none other than the owner of the company that I work for. I'm with the president and CEO of Hallmark Home Mortgage, Deborah Sturgis. She has uh, opened the company in uh, 2007, so it's almost 13 years, and um, I joined the company uh, about 10 years ago, and uh, it's grown to about 300 employees, and it's based out of Fort Wayne, and I'm in the South Bend area. But she has been doing incredible things in our company and she's been a great pattern of of excellence and a great influencer within the community fort wayne that she's at and also the surrounding communities and i'm just really honored that you would take the time to come to south bend and uh, be with me and share some of your expertise with me so thanks for being with me
1: thank you jonathan happy to be here
0: of course and so what i like to do and this is what i've been doing most of this fall season i've been trying to figure out one word topics that I can sort of dive into, and then just sort of have an organic discussion about it. And uh, the the word that I wanted to talk about um, today is trying, and actually taking action, and being willing to try, being willing to maybe take a, a risk, if you will. And um, and so I want to talk about that with you, Deb, because I think you can speak to it so well because you've started Hallmark Home Mortgage, and you were able to build it from where it was in its infancy year um, in 2007 to where it is today. And you've done a lot of great things and you have a lot of leadership roles as well within um, the the mortgage industry. And so before I get into that, though, I just wanted to let people who is listening know a little bit more about you. So can you just kind of share your story? What got you to this place of being uh, such an influencer and the president and CEO of Hallmark? So what kind of led you to where you're at today?
1: Well, you never really have a plan that that's where you're going to land. Um, but along the way, I started at a mortgage company that was also based out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Waterfield Mortgage. It was one of the, It was actually the largest privately held mortgage company in the country, and I um, began my very first job out of high school was at Waterfield Mortgage, and um, had the. Um, real benefit, um, a great company, but I had the opportunity to really kind of get in on the ground floor and I navigated in all kinds of departments and got a really well-rounded experience. And um, my last job before we sold in 2005 Um, was a regional manager um, over the Midwest region. And so I brought with me such a wealth of knowledge from the years that I had with such a fine company. So I really felt like I was positioned well, not only with my knowledge of Waterfield, but my contacts in the industry that were invaluable.
0: And when you were at Waterfield, you were you said just multiple different positions that you held. You were in sales, and you were also processing. And you started at the front desk. You said right, I did. The receptionist?
1: Yeah, I was the, um, the cashier the actually. Cashier, yeah. Right, and I thought um, um, when I left the farm, yeah. I thought I had a, absolutely arrived. That I had a desk job, and it was it was fabulous. It was really I was couldn't have been happier and more grateful.
0: And I know that we had spoken a little bit before we started recording about kind of what led you to get to even the desk job. And so I know we're, we're kind of di- diving in a little bit early on the trying part, but um, you, you went from trying really hard at a young age in different areas to, to getting to that, just that desk position. So explain maybe a little bit of that childhood and, and how it kind of taught you and got you to kind of where you were just getting into the water field stage.
1: Um, wow, well, we're going back just a few years. <laughs> 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 but um, I grew up, as I said, on a farm. And when um, I had um, two brothers and a sister, big farm, I think it was 1500 acres. So large farm livestock and so it's all hands on deck when you grow up that way and so i i didn't know any different i um really um enjoyed the farm life uh, i've always been so so in love with animals and of course it was um there's a lot of jokes with me growing up that you know the um the cow that was going to be slaughtered was happened to be my uh, my pet. But back to what we were talking about, it's just hard work. Um, when I entered the workforce, I was just really not afraid to work long days and do what I needed to do to leave and know that I left and did a really good job. So um, I always count that as a wonderful blessing to live to have grown up in such a wholesome environment mm-hmm. and an environment where I was taught a really strong work ethic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I tell you what, it 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 shows. So when you have a history, I mean, this is something that I, I speak um, from my own perspective. I feel like I have a history of being raised in a way where I, I was taught to be a hard worker. I was taught to be willing to put in that effort, be willing to try when it comes to things. But you know, I grew up, um, my, my own personality is not one where I I really was a big risk taker. I wasn't one that liked to raise my hand in class. I was one that liked to sit kind of in the back of the class. I was a shy person. Um, I, I didn't want to make waves necessarily. Uh, but I think there's something that changes in, in a person at a certain stage. It changed in me where I realized that I could maybe make a better impact on other people. I realized that, well, maybe I can do this what was it in in maybe that that path i know you had the hard work but what was it that said you know what i'm I'm ready to kind of try something different i'm ready to try something new what what was it that kind of clicked for you
1: well um great question i i didn't realize how competitive i was um growing up um and when i um started at waterfield and i had um my first position I worked hard, I loved what I did. Um, I think it you get noticed that you know this person is a you know a great employee and so doors started opening for me and as that happened I grew more confident in myself because I too was very shy mm-hmm. and I maybe didn't have um, quite the confidence that I do today. Mm-hmm. I know I didn't and so but I think it's through, successes and um, sometimes failures um, to get yourself to a point where you really grow to know yourself, know your strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And so I think over those first years, um, I really got to know who I was a lot better and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, felt confident that there was um, more in my future and destiny than what I really initially thought of when I had that first job.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I, when you said that, you know, you didn't necessarily have that plan of being where you are today. It wasn't necessarily something you you grew up thinking. Okay, I'm gonna eventually own my own company. At a certain point, maybe you thought that. I never knew I would be in the mortgage industry, you know, you just never know. But I believe that there's something within a person that whether you're in the mortgage industry or any other industry for that matter, when there's a pattern of, of hard work and being willing to put in the effort, being willing to invest in yourself, being willing to, to maybe take that step out, even when there's maybe some uncertainty, there's something there where the, there's bound to be success. And so I, I would like to kind of transition. We we kind of know what what led you to uh, being the business owner that you are, but there's a lot of people that's listening that they're not business owners. They may work for a business. They may be in sales. They may be just a a, a mother or a father that's listening, or it could be even a, a college student that's listening right now. Um, and we're talking about the term trying. And so if you were to give some people that are listening some tips on um, how you can get over maybe that fear of of trying or that fear of of stepping out, what would you say would be some of your tips that you would share with somebody? That's you know what I want to do this, but I just don't know. What would you say?
1: Um, I would say do the very jo- live in the moment. Um, do the job that is in front of you and do it diligently. If you're over overwhelmed, just take a breath. You can only do so many things, but do them very well. And it's interesting you say, uh, people out there listening. I think one of the things that um, I've always had the capacity to do is really listen. Mm -hmm. Listen to people. Um, People that I admired and respected, uh, um, whether it was work or um, um, personally, um, I really listened and watched how they interacted, uh, their pearls of wisdom, and um, I, my mother always taught me just, you know, don't be the one that has to talk in the room. Yeah. Listen to others because the, that will be some of the, the best education that you will ever have. And so I really I picked people that I told they were my mentor and others that were my mentor that they never really knew it. And sometimes, um, a mentor that was doing it wrong. And I felt like i never wanted to do it like they were doing mm, it. <laughs> that's great, so.
0: that is really good advice. Yeah. So you know that, and and I'll um, let you finish, but I um a couple things real quick that I think is warranted for us to slow down and listen to this. So she was saying live in the moment, meaning do the job that's in front of you. I think that's really important for people to hear that and to apply it to their lives. So often we live in, in such a distracted culture where we only do things almost not, we're not fully committed to everything. We're, we're almost just just getting by, just getting, doing it just, to, just well enough to get it done instead of being excellent. And uh, and um, I know we actually, within our company, we had this really cool program that um, required us, uh, it was the Darren Hardy program, where uh, we was talking about being more productive called Insane Productivity. This was a couple of years ago. And there was what's called a values assessment. And the values assessment makes you um, boil down um, all the different values you can think of into your top three values for yourself. And one of those things that I wanted for myself was excellence. And I want to make sure that I'm doing everything with excellence. And if I do things with excellence, then it's going to make an impact on other people. And so the one thing that I get from what Deb was saying is you must do what's in front of you and do it well. Um, Don't do just enough to get by do something greater than that and i think that you'll make an impact on other people and i think what what really stands out in um, another book that i was reading is that there is called the go giver that there's a lot of people that they do just enough of whatever their job description is that's my job description i'm not going to do any more than what my job description is and they never go above and beyond and they can and they may be complainers maybe ones that they're always feeling like they're Never getting enough uh, income, or they're not being um, uh, they're they're not being recognized enough because they're not they don't have a mentality of, of of excellence. So that's the one thing that I get from that. The second thing that she mentioned was listening to other people. We had somebody else on the podcast, uh, John Horsley, and this comes up often. We always reference him because we talked about listening, really listening to people, and um, and listening to the right voices because we've got a lot of voices that can come up in our life and. If you are not careful, you can be getting advice from people that you probably shouldn't get advice from. And so it's knowing who's at your table is so important. So who do you allow to speak into your life? And what I really liked about what you said, Deb, was that you had mentors and they didn't even necessarily know that they were, but you yourself handpicked them for your own life to try to help pattern yourself after that. So um, can you kind of name some, not people necessarily, but just some some advice you got from some of your mentors as you were kind of digging into the, the business career that you're in today.
1: Um, We had a, uh, at Waterfield, we had a president that was um, when I first started and he was the, uh, really one of the wisest men that I had ever, um, ever met. And he just taught me the basics of human beings and how they think and, 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 um, adjust what to expect out of people and um, how to motivate and um, just he was just a wise person as it related not just the business but really in human nature and um, I just lo- I learned a lot from him I to this day I there's probably not a day or two that goes by that there isn't some little saying that he had that I, you know pay it forward and so i, did, I think about him as one person individually as, ha- as i was young coming into the business had such a such an impact on me and he and and he believed in me which is something that i of course needed at that um young uh spot that i was in and embarking on this mortgage business
0: mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of people and I'm just kind of digressing, kind of personally speaking here. I think there's a lot of people that they, unfortunately it's a sad thing, but they don't have sometimes those people that will say, I believe in you. You know, they don't have those people in their life that uh, teach them things that um, challenge them. And I think sometimes we have to surround ourselves with people that are willing to challenge us and um, and know that you're you can continue to grow from whatever position that you're in. And so I think that's really important. Uh, one thing that you just mentioned too is that you also listened to the voices that you knew you didn't want to follow as well and so we're not going to ask you to name people that you didn't. <laughs> so, but i think that's a really a great takeaway for those that are listening is that uh, you know what there are people in your life they're they're a kind of an anti-mentor where you know that um, i know one thing they're telling me what not to do
1: they really are and that's good too that's an equal mentor to somebody that's good
0: yeah, but we need the wisdom to know the difference i guess yeah
1: i guess that's you know? true
0: <laughs> so that's why i try to tell my children is, you know make sure you know that you're speaking into people's lives whether you're a good or a bad influence you're speaking into people's lives and so you have to make sure you know you know what you're um, what you're saying and what your message is now we're talking about trying here so we're talking about taking action taking risk so before we got into the recording we um, we were mentioning taking risk but there is a difference between taking risk and, and taking a calculated risk What would you say would be some advice to people that, you know, they they want to try, they're maybe really adverse to risk, but you do have to take a risk in life. And so what gets you to make that leap when it comes to that calculated risk?
1: You know, I've taken a lot of, other than, of course, starting Hallmark Home Mortgage. I took risks along the way. Um, I remember um, I used to be a loan officer in uh, Fort Wayne, and I, I was, had a very successful um, career as a loan officer, but I was asked to step into management. Different job, and you know that. It's an altogether different job, and I remember that was one of the first, um, first times in, in a business situation where I was, okay, I know this. I'm good at this. I, and I know that being a manager is a completely different job. Am, am I going to make that? But I really, um, again, I had surrounded myself with mentors, and I really felt like I understood people, and I felt like I could um, help guide them and lead through um, exam by example. Mm-hmm. And so I took that. I took that leap, and um, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was. One of the best decisions I had ever made, because I was suddenly uh, managing people and enjoying that more than I would have ever imagined. And so, when I when Waterfield sold, um, I decided to just sit back for a few months, mm-hmm. and decide what what I was going to do. I was out of a job like so many others in Fort Wayne, yeah. Indiana. And I thought, you know, what are the things that I really enjoy and love doing? And, you know, I'd lay it all out. And then I was back looking at the mortgage piece. Um, I love the business. I love um, helping families get into homes. It's just, it's in my heart and in my blood. And so I um, uh, remember going to Barnes and Noble and buying a business plan for dummies (laughs) (laughs) and i wrote out a business plan and was diligent about that because i am a planful person i do believe that that you know really is the foundation to success and so i wrote a probably a 30 page business plan that include financials and the whole whole thing and um, um that's When I decided to um, sit down with a few people that I used to work with at Waterfield and um, say, I've got an idea. I think there's still room for a good, honest, ethical lender in this business. And people still need housing and will always need housing. And if we start the business with the right Values that I think we can be successful, and so there I was. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for, fortunately, I in 2002 I had bought into Waterfield, so I was able to cash check. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I had some seed money right. to start it, and boy, that flew out the window yeah. really fast.
0: It's <laughs> expensive starting a business. Right,
1: <laughs> my daughter was at Columbia, and I had a lot of lot of bills. Yeah. So I remember not getting really full nights of sleep for yeah. about three years. But um, I had a, an adage that I wanted to surround my, myself with people that I would work for. Yes. People I respected um, that I would be proud that they would represent um, Hallmark Home Mortgage um, the way, and that was kind of my, the litmus test. And yeah. so I really began to um, reemploy a lot of the Waterfield people, but be even beyond that, um, people that I knew in the industry. So, you know, I call that a calculated risk because, it, one, it was a business that I knew, and two, I had startup money, um, which, which I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I knew that I could outwork <laughs> and, you know, outperform um, anybody and do it and have fun doing it. And right. so, um, you know, it, the birth of the company yeah. was... Was right at the heart of the meltdown. meltdown. (laughs) Those of you
0: who are not in the mortgage business, you may not appreciate it, but everybody knows what happened in the United States back in that two thousand six, two thousand seven timeframe. And so, uh, it's an amazing thing to see where you started and and, and where it came from. You know where it was born from.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of people looking at me saying, "Maybe her timing is not that great." (laughs) In retrospect, the timing was perfect. Mm-hmm. I was a brand new company. I didn't have uh, a legacy loans, mm-hmm. um, legacy people issues. I right. could surround myself with the folks that I felt could get us there. Yeah, so, kind of start uh-huh. the
0: culture from scratch. Exactly,
1: Clayton. Yeah. You know, I always say we had a clean chalkboard and yeah. we could start writing down and. You know, um, I had thought long and hard about trimming processes mm-hmm. so that we could, um, you know, not inherit some of those the way we used to do it um, mm-hmm. types of things and create a little streamlined process. Absolutely. So,
0: Yeah, and you've done such an amazing job of, of showing us that you can, it is a, there is a risk associated with any business venture, but um, the takeaway I get is that you took the time, I think taking the time, to think about it and actually formulate a business plan. I think so often there's people that just kind of, they wonder why they, they didn't get where they needed to go. It's because they didn't have a roadmap to get there. So I think one takeaway from what Deb's saying is we need to have um, you know, a planning in place and we need to have people around us. And because, in, this to me, it speaks volumes. You, because you had people around you before the issue happened, before the, the you, know, you lost your job, because you had people around you that you cared for and they cared for you because you had influencers around you you when times weren't very good it turned into an opportunity but if you if you are an island in of yourself if you if, if you are secluded and you're not around people you don't bring good people around your table good influencers and good advisors around you then when the times aren't very good it's much more difficult for you to make the most of an opportunity and i think that speaks to your character that you had people that were willing to maybe take a little bit of a risk themselves because of your leadership so to me that speaks a lot
1: yeah i think the way I looked at it is that I had some really those early on people bought into my vision, mm-hmm. became a part of my vision. Mm-hmm. And I'm forever grateful for those folks and, and that took here. that leap. And they're still here. Yeah, You know, yeah. it's an
0: amazing thing. Yeah. Well, I want to change gears just a little bit. Um, so we we're talking about how people were willing to buy into your vision. And, and I know that you don't necessarily want to talk about, you know, the, um, you know, how you're a woman and in the leadership role, and how maybe things can be unfair at times in our society. But I do think that you are a, such a great role model to women and young girls who are wanting to be in leadership roles. And you have so many people that look up to you in in the things that you do. And so, um can you maybe just speak to that? You know, you trying as a a, a strong woman leader within Fort Wayne and within the you know the the Indiana area. Um, you know, what lessons have you learned from, I know you told me off uh, the recording, you were talking about how it just made you work harder, but kind of maybe let's delve into that a little bit. So being a woman and being willing to to try, have you had any issues where you felt like things were unfair at times? And how did you kind of get over that?
1: Um, definitely. Um, um, I've been um, at this business for almost 30 years. And so as I was coming up in the in the ranks, um, there were really hardly any women uh, at the level that I was at, and so um, I was aware of things that weren't completely equal. And um, you know, I the determination that I have always had in my heart, um, rather than you know pound my fist and and demand equality, um, I chose to just um, observe Mm -hmm. hope that it would be better in future generations but that i wasn't going to change it um overnight Mm -hmm. and what i wanted to do was be an example of somebody that went around those guys and and so that was my motivation and um it's you know i just didn't focus on it i focused on what I was doing and how I was going to uh, create the successes for the company I was with versus what was not adding up equally for me Mm,
0: man that's powerful what you focus on I just wrote this down. what you focus on will either hurt you or help you if you're focusing on all the reasons why you cannot do it I know this sounds like a cliche term but I am telling you if your mindset is wrong, and you're always focusing on why you're not where you need to be on external things, because you can't control that—that's external—but you're focusing on not being a complainer. You talked about how you don't want to be a complainer, but then uh, not whining about it, and just it, it gave you motivation to work harder. And so, I want to talk about that—the the being a complainer. Um, I've been around people that kind of can be that way. Um, how um, how have you? Cause you're always going to be around environments where you're not necessarily comfortable with the people and they may bring you down or be kind of negative. How do you kind of get over that when you're, we, once again, you're going through the potential of trying to open a new business. You're trying to maybe go to a different level in your career. You're always going to have people around you that may say, it might not be a good, good idea. How do you give me some tactics? How do I drown out those voices, the complainers? How do I do that?
1: I think uh, leading by example, because I think people that are complaining are still looking out there for leadership, mm-hmm. and I and I believe that you can move the needle in their lives mm-hmm. if um, if you face them head on and say let's just let's think about the positives here for a moment and just spend a little time with them. Um, I do um, think um, your actions have. Big effect on the way people are. Some people you'll never get all the way over, but um, but I think you can get them thinking the right way, and and they don't at the end of the day they don't want to be the one person in the group that is negative. So right. if you get them going in the right direction, because yeah. you know a lot of people, I mean we all aren't perfect. We all have imperfections, and so if you can at least get them leaning more towards waking up and thinking on the bright side. And I just think you just, you create an environment in your office that's positive and there'll be some people that'll fall out of that and there'll be some people that'll move towards that. So mm-hmm. that would be um, just, just my advice.
0: I guess don't um, don't uh, lose the plan, don't lose your focus. Don't let them throw you off your focus, I guess. That's the best way to do it. Um, I have one more question then I'm going to wrap it up here in just a little bit but um hard decisions we all have to make tough decisions that's to me goes, falls right in the same avenue of trying um, sometimes it's decisions where you know that you're going to have to face somebody and say something that they don't want to hear um, how do you go about as a leader to, uh, to to sort of do it the right way so facing the tough decisions how have you done that because you've told me that you're you're okay with that not many people are okay with that how can you do that
1: well it's your moral compass i think at the end of the day Mm. and if you're um if you uh know what's right and wrong to me there's one way to handle things and that is um honesty truthfulness no matter what that ends up doing to your company um or even on a personal basis, just to be honest, um, truthful, and uh, being willing to disclose um, anything that goes wrong to anybody, because at the end of the day, I think human nature is people want to help you. So I had a situation a few years ago in the business Mm -hmm. where I had a particular uh, employee that was doing things not quite the right way. Right. and put um, put me at great risk. And um, um, there were two ways to handle that. And one way was just to you know, sweep it under the rug mm-hmm. and probably gotten away with it, or announce to the aggregators. Jenny May, warehouse banks, um, what had happened and how many loans it affected. And to me, there was just absolutely, and it was a large enough situation, it could have bankrupt my company. Um, but I, there was only one way to deal with it, and that was complete full disclosure. And through that, and we got through it, um, um, and, there were so many people outside of the company that how can we help? And people really um, coming to bear with, you know, we know good uh, bad things happen to good companies, and so it really heightened um, the credibility of Hallmark through the nation when I uh, I had this uh, disclosure, and we ended up fine. Um, we were able to come out of the situation um, through lots of people's help and willingness to work with us but it's an example to me of will always remain one of the best examples to me of always doing the right thing whether it feels uncomfortable at the time Mm -hmm. or not so
0: man that's um, so good
1: yeah it's
0: well it goes to show you too that once again people um, flocked around you because you had a pattern of of having a good moral compass, you know, because you were, you surrounded yourself with people that, you know, wanted to come to your aid when there was a circumstance like that. But yeah, the tough decisions, I think that's really good. You're staying true to um, the, your, your good moral character. It may not be uh, the easiest discussion, but when you know your, your, your motives are pure, I think that makes a big difference when you're going and and making that decision to have that discussion. So that's really good. Deb, I'm going to, um, kind of finish with this question, i like to ask people what they want to be known for. You know, So if you were, um, you're finishing your career or you're you know, finishing a relationship with someone, you know you may not see them again. You're like, what would you want to be known for in your life? What would be your lasting impact on those around you if you were trying to just have that one lasting kind of story about you? What would that be?
1: Wow, that's a, that's a good question. You didn't tell me about that <laughs> question. <laughs> I think that I would want to be known as a very good person, mm-hmm. uh, a person that cared cared so much about others um, uh, in the business that we're in, how many families that we've been able to put into homes that have created memories, wonderful memories, um, that I created a, um, a company that was an employer of choice mm-hmm. um that we were um that that company where people would really want to come to work mm-hmm. and um and feel good about it and know that they were in that extended family mm-hmm. um and just a you know i really want to be thought of as um a, a leader in all those areas mm-hmm. and um, that I created and helped a lot of families prosper.
0: That's good. And, you know, I, that's a really good wrap-up kind of uh, quote for us. And the one thing that really stood out of all that is is being a good person. And I think that if you are aspiring to be a good person, um, then your moral compass is always going to be right. You make the right decisions based on your, the correct values, and it's going to um, just naturally you're going to be serving families because of it, and you're going to do the right thing on your employees' behalf. Um, and I think that's a good thing. And so I, I do want to thank you for coming here and taking the time because there, uh, I know you're busy and I know that, uh, there's a lot of people though, that really, I think are going to get a lot out of hearing your story and hearing your advice as a leader. And those of you who uh, maybe watch or listening for the first time, um, there's many other uh, lessons um, in this podcast this season, but trying being willing to step out and try, being willing to take that risk, calculated risk, as she was saying, being willing to take action, though, and making sure you're doing it the right way. I think that's most important, doing it the right way, whatever that new endeavor might be. And so, Deb, thank you again. And those of you who have not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. I'd love for you to rate us, share it with your friends. And once again, this is Jonathan McKinnis with the Purpose and Performance Podcast. Deb, thank you so much.
1: You bet. Thank you, Jonathan.
0: All right. We'll see you guys later. Have a good one.